electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber's on assignment. Futures are red after Tuesday's rally. It's another mix of Ukraine headlines and some hot eco data. Uh, retail sales crush estimates after last month's drop. Best core number in almost a year. Meantime, earnings from Shopify, Viacom, Roblox are not well received. Our roadmap begins with the reopening trade and the stay-at-home trade. Moderna CEO says COVID may be entering the final stages. Shares of Roblox tumbling as quarterly bookings disappoint. We're going to talk to the CEO this hour. And in a few minutes, B of A's Brian Moynihan will join us to discuss inflation, the consumer spending, the metaverse, and a lot more. We're going to start, though, with the markets after yesterday's relief rally. Moderna CEO joined Squawk Asia overnight, and here's his response when asked if he shares the belief that the COVID pandemic is perhaps in its final stages. I think that is a, a reasonable scenario. And the way I think about it is I think there's an 80% chance that as Omicron evolves or the SARS-CoV-2 virus evolves, we are going to see uh, less and less virulent viruses. 80-20, you take those odds? Yeah, look, I've got to tell you, he's been good the whole way. And, and he's been good when you needed his. What people don't, don't remember, the, you know the absolute, the absolute bottom that happened in 2020, the day the call bottom, was when he had one patient that he vaccinated, and that person had the break of not getting, uh, really not getting the early strain of COVID. Been, been terrific science. And if he says that, look, my vaccine's not gonna make a lot of money going forward, please don't, he has a pre-planned sell. Those who are thinking he's selling because he thinks it's over, that's just wrong. And that's important, make trust point that out. But look, it's an epidemic. It's not a pandemic. It's an epidemic unless you haven't been vaccinated. I was, uh, my wife was literally saving someone's life last week with another person from a great firm who had been put out of a hospital in Mexico, had not been vaccinated, uh, kidneys failing, and got, got him to a ha- hospital in Mexico City, Regeneron, Remdesivir, yep. out of the hospital. You know, fine. This is what's happened even with the unvaccinated, although Dr. Topol's still talking about the people who are dying. I don't want to minimize that. But we're not in a world of a pandemic anymore. Uh, that's going to that's going to. And we're a couple months away from wider availability of antivirals of all different kinds. That's the key. I mean, and, that's the end. And so the fallout for us this morning is what does it mean for retail sales and Roblox and Airbnb and Shopify? I mean, Shopify. you know, I have to tell you, Carl, that the only one last night that demonstrated a lack of pandemic cyclicality was Airbnb. I mean, there's Brian Chesky, the great CEO of it. I mean, he said, look, I don't care, pre-pandemic. Are we, at one point he was like telling me last night, I don't know, are we a pre-pandemic story? Are we a pandemic story? Are we a post-pandemic? He said, maybe we're a story. 
<laughs> no, and, and I loved it. I mean, we're going to hear Roblox. And Roblox is going to be a little tougher interview than I like. It, the reason is because I, I thought that they were not a pandemic play. I didn't put them with Peloton. I didn't put them with DocuSign. Obviously, those are the kiss of death. Zoom kiss of death. Although Zoom has a lot of money, so they can do something. And Peloton's got a, a, just a, a, a soldier now. He has a Green Beret now running in, in McCarthy. But, you know, I, I wanted Roblox to be better. And, Carl, it's slowing. It is slowing, although I, I, I got to say, um, uh, you know, bookings were a miss, but DAUs up 33, just a slight miss. Is that is it really deserving but of the kind of punishing it's getting today? Cash flow, half of what I thought, free cash flow. What Dave is going to have to explain, this company's been in business since 2006, is like, do you really need to be public? Now, he did. We're going to ask about the NFL deal, uh, JP Morgan deal. But my problem with Roblox is I didn't know that January would be down. I mean, there's a, when you're on these calls, they're basically like, hey, you know, January's going to be down. Huh? I mean, you know, everyone's like, they're like, oh, yeah. No, there's no, oh, yeah. Go listen to Chesky. Chesky defined this period. He is saying the whole period of pandemic, you had to be working on things for post-pandemic. I have not seen a lot of companies who are prepared for post-pandemic. I've seen a lot of companies that were kind of banking on a little more pandemic, perhaps. Hey, by the way, you want a company that didn't, that didn't bank on anything? Toast. Yeah, and I finally felt that you could say officially the toast is toast. Now, they will tell you, listen, we have a very this is the restaurant software. That's the most crowded space in the world. And I know this from being in the restaurant business. You could rip this guy out, put in another guy. I mean, the only winner is American Express with Resi. American Express stock has been the best stock through this period because travel and leisure back because, you know, they are great at opening. That's just a great. Opening so why, why is a restaurant uh, fintech? not performing in an era in which we ostensibly are going to go to more restaurants? Because, well, first of all, I don't believe there is going to be more restaurants. I think that's a canard. I don't think you're going to see we don't need more restaurants. But uh, and I know that we had a good restaurant feature earlier this morning. But I felt that guy was an aberration. But uh, the, the whole wrap of toast is the industry has so much room. No, it doesn't. Square would tell you we're going to lock up everybody. So let's be very careful saying that things are good in the restaurant business. It's competitive, and I don't like it one bit. All right, this morning's better-than-expected retail sales data, putting the consumer spending inflation in the Fed in focus. Uh, there is, I don't know if anyone knows this stuff more than the man we're about to speak to, Carl. It's, uh, it's Bank of America Chairman and CEO Brian Moynihan. Brian, I always love your take. You've got more sense of the consumer and the country than anybody. Your stock has held up far better than any of the other major banks. Tell us what you're seeing and tell us what would happen if you got the seven rate hikes that some people are talking about. Well, Jim, good to see you. And, you know, I think when you look at the core spending levels of consumers, they continue to be very strong. So we went out a week or so ago and said January is up, you know, nearly uh, you know, 15 to 20 percent. We're seeing that continue into February. And despite what you just said, restaurant spending is up, which as it starts to normalize. So we're seeing consumer spend across the board. So number one, consumers are spending the money moving out of their accounts, which is a lot of money at Bank of America over the course of the year, three and a half, four trillion dollars is growing at 15 percent in February so far and grew up faster than that in January. The good news is the transaction volumes are up. So this isn't all inflation driven, which might be the question. The second thing is the consumers have more money in their accounts. So the month of January, their accounts grew again, especially for consumers that carry lower balances. That sort of 
belies the question of, was, well, when stimulus runs out, people are going to drain their accounts. They haven't yet. They've gone up for the last six or seven months, so that's good for the economy. But also that means that the economy is very strong. It's predicted to go three down four percent, so the Fed's going to have to slow it down and, and bring the rate structure back up to where it was in 19 when the economy was basically about the same size as it is now. But uh, let's go to what you've done, which you've done a remarkable job hiring people and had to pay more. Uh, if we slow the economy down, yeah, it's terrific for uh, maybe uh, employers not wanting to pay as much. But you've got a situation at your bank right now that, that frankly, if it weren't, I'm just going to say it. It's the greatest time ever for your bank. And I hate to see that uh, be taken away by the Fed. Well, I don't think the Fed will take it away. We, we, we make a little more money in rising rates because the core deposit franchise we have has so much embedded value and the rate structure comes down, it hits the zero floor because we, stop, you know, we pay zero, but we can't pay less than zero. So that's good news. But when you think about you know, what we've done to be a great place to work, Jim, in terms of our teammates, we've continued to con- work this company. When I became CEO you know, now 12 plus years ago, you know, we, we had 280,000 people. We went up to 305,000. We're running about 208,000 people. And that is by just applying technology over and over and getting more and more effective and efficient across all those time periods. And, and as you said earlier, and, and Brian said it, others, you had to be doing this all the time. The pandemic, we had a lot of work to do to help our clients through, but you had to keep investing in technology that would provide efficiencies and effectiveness going forward. And that's how you run the company. And that's why when rates go up and economy slows down, we can still make a good, good amount of money. All right. That's good because you do have the 14 multiple, which is the highest multiple in the majors. Before I turn it over to Carl, uh, I'm going to go with, drill down more on the technology spend. You have said over and over to me, listen, we have to spend the technology. We have to spend $10 billion a year on technology, uh, including new development, or else we'll fall behind. Well, what I have seen this quarter was that everybody fell behind. This was the breakout quarter for all the money you spent on tech. And you know what I'm talking about. There are other banks that just realize, holy cow, we're way behind. How did you see it? How did you know it? And what has it done? Well, we had great leadership. Kathy Bassan had led that for years and now is over in Paris working on some stuff for us at Ditya Bassi and now runs a tech and his colleagues. But it was just it was driven by our businesses saying, hey, we've got to transform this business. And the starkest thing would be to think about our consumer business. Had about six thousand branches in at the high point, now has four thousand, and the business is probably three times bigger. And the headcount went from 100-some thousand down to about 60,000. So just think about that term. But it wasn't one silver bullet. It was a constant, you know, the implementation of, of the digital banking and pushing mobile banking, getting mobile banking implemented by, uh, by the customers, showing them how easy it was. Then you did things like Zelle and Erica and life plans. And you just keep building this. And so people are critically important to our, our execution at the branches. We're a high-touch, high-tech. But the reality is they can be working on the most important things to clients, well, the technology can take care of things uh, that can be done, you know, simplistically by that, by the customer easily. And so checks, you know, deposited uh, at, the, at the branch have gone down to like 15% from half 10 years ago. And that, think of everyone is costing a lot more money than a, a client doing it digitally or, or through the ATM. Hey, Brian, you point out um, there's been a lot of wood chopped in terms of getting the market prepared for some rate hikes. But I wonder if you feel the same way about uh, balance sheet runoff. Uh, Estimates about the monthly runoff are all over the place. Fed's already on its heels with messaging after transitory. What do you think that looks like when it happens? And um, and how do they do you think we'll start to get a picture of the mechanics, say, for example, in the Fed minutes today? Uh, Yeah, they're going to be clear. 
you know, about what their strategies are. They have been. They've been abundantly clear um, and with, between the dialogue after the conferences, the minutes, and frankly, a, about, I don't know, eight years ago, they said, we've got to be very clear with forward guidance. That's one of the ways they actually prepare the market for changes, and they constantly do that. So they are going to bring the balance sheet down. People, uh, you know, you got to remember, it really only got down to about $4 trillion, if I remember right, you know, 19. And, and so it doesn't come down back to the $700 billion it was before the financial crisis, because the economy is just a lot bigger, and it the different things that go through it a lot bigger. So there's a sort of a fundamental stopping point. They'll run it down. But in the context of the trillions of dollars of mortgage-backed securities outstanding and the trillions of dollars of Treasury bonds, you know, the reality is, is that you know, it, it's big news for the market in terms of the increment, but in terms of long-term, you know, bringing that down you know, will have an impact. But the bigger impact will be, you know, can they get inflation under control and can consumers feel good about, you know, having the money to spend in the future? Because that will then keep driving this great U.S. economy, which frankly leads the world and has to be successful for the world to be successful. You know, Brian, I want to talk about the idea that the adults are back in the room. About a year ago, and even six months ago, we heard endlessly, buy now, pay later. This is the, this is the secret. Not whatever Bank of America is doing. We're, we're going to get away from that, that kind of thing. Bank of America, that, they're in our, they have us in their chains. Now, do you see uh, post-November a beginning where things like buy now, pay later are a little glib, and that maybe it's buy now, uh, pay never? Well, I, you know, we're not in that business, and we looked at as to what the consumer wanted and what the consumer wanted. If you said you could buy, you know, a, buy a $1,000 Peloton bike and, and pay for it over four installments, who wouldn't take that offer? But, you know, that's not a new concept. Layaway and things like that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. There's a wonderful article written about this is a new invention. It's 200 years old or 300 years old or something like that. So the idea is what do consumers want? So we look at what consumers want, and we, we try to think about that. But remember, with our consumers, we're trying to make sure they manage their debt well. They buy, they live within their means. We do a lot of financial education. We're the best financial education website out there. So I think the tension is, you know, causing people to overspend is one of the tensions that you have in, in how we run the business. So we look at our products. We have credit cards, which are great for consumers from secured credit cards on up. You know, we have auto loans. We have home equity loans. We have home loans. And we have, you know, strong production in those. But the reality is we just didn't think it was a product that was in demand by our consumers because our consumers you know, basically have the money to pay or like put it up in our credit card and pay it off over time and get the same dynamics. All right, so Brian, you're the foremost in tech spending. We've been going back and forth. Zell was so brilliant. A lot of these, you know, I've been praising them forever. But how about blockchain? Now, there's one they tell me if you have blockchain, you're worth more than Bank of America. Is blockchain really new or is it like blockchain? I mean, you must be laughing at this stuff. Well, no, we, we, we're not laughing at blockchain as a, as a as a technology thought process, a technology, we have, you know, tens of, I think we have 60 patents on it already issued and things. And so we, and maybe more than that, we continue to look at that. The, the idea of information and money and, dis, and distributed, uh, verified you know, ownership and things, those are interesting things, especially, especially for some cross-border transactions and, and the heavy documentation goes with it. And the concept is not new. You know, the idea of a distributed ledger, that is what the registry of deeds is or the, you know, the, or the driver's license registration and things like that. Those are, those are, those are distributed ledgers. Everybody knows who owns what and ha- has it happened. The idea of cross-border requires a lot more uh, capabilities. So we've studied that. You know, there, there are things that are very interesting to us. We're still trying to figure out how to scale an application. So we have some work going on, and we work with various of the name parties that you've talked about in terms of implementations. But you, you need to divorce that from the technology and the principles from some of the other things that go on because it, there is something there there about how you can move complex amounts of information or how you can have providence 
you know, of, of, you know there's a blockchain uh, execution in a diamond area that shows the diamonds, where they came from, so you can be care really assured that the real diamond and it's marked forever. Those are interesting applications. So we, we focus on the technology and what it does as opposed to, you know, the, the market valuations and debate around that. Well, just to be sure what I say, you know, I mean, you've been doing this for a very long time, and there are a lot of shysters that have come public, both SPACs and IPOs, that have made it sound like that, one, you didn't know anything about blockchain, which is completely untrue. You've been doing this long before them. And two, buy now, pay later. If rates go up dramatically, well, you'd be on the hook. So I just think that you have analyzed these things. And what I'm trying to distinguish is that at this point, I would rather own a bank selling at 14 times earnings that knows buy now, pay later is being dangerous, that knows all about blockchain. You get that, too. And that what you've done is create the technology machine that all these other guys are claiming they have. I mean, you spent a fortune. These guys come on, Brian, and they don't know anything about what happens if there's a downturn. I think you're ready for it. Well, we're ready for it because we always test ourselves. We're ready. But, you know, last year we were in $32 billion, and there's very few companies in the world that ever earned that amount of money. And the team did a great job producing those earnings, and, you know, we're on course to earn a lot of money this year. And so, you know, the, the, the challenge would be a big company is to have, have that nimbleness. And to just look at, you know, look at our digital banking co- capabilities. We grew 2 million customers last year, which is a record raw number of customer growth. Look at Merrill Edge, which chopped $300 billion and put on 500000 net new accounts last year. But by the way, it, those net new accounts, all were sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 accounts in the accounts at opening. And if you look at, you know, Merrill, Merrill and the private bank had $170 billion in net flows. So when you're big, you got to have that flywheel turning produce that result, which is critically important. But you got to be mindful. And so we have team teammates, all they do is look at what's going on with all these companies that you're talking about and ensure that we know what the customer sees and then adopt you know, ourselves to that. Hey, Brian, it sounds like you're painting a pretty positive picture about the household on the consumer side. Um, Some have argued, I think it's actually the B of A uh, research desk has also argued that corporates have a bigger mix of long-term fixed debt going into this cycle than they did, say, going into the financial crisis. Are you as optimistic about uh, corporates? Because we have begun to hear about warnings on the leverage loan market uh, and and smaller players who would be be vulnerable to a, a rising rate environment. You're going you're to have that discussion, by the way, we had it in 17, 16, 17, 18, 19, if you remember the same issue about zombie companies and rates going up. And, and generally, it's good business plans. We can generate good cash flow. We'll be able to absorb the rate change and back to where it was in 19, where they were making plenty of money. So we've, we, we're careful about that. Frankly, inside the banking industry, honestly, the, the rules and regulations and scrutiny from our regulators and stuff keeps the leverage you know, sort of in the companies down and, 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 and a fairly good level. We're examined constantly over and over again about the quality of our underwriting. You know, the good news is the industry really helped a lot of people through the crisis. We did some work with clients that, you know, gave them uh, uh, liquidity they needed to stretch out some of those people to very, you know, the cruise industry, airline industry, things like that, that absolutely depended upon, you know, uh, customers being able to move around. And those companies are recovering and getting the other side. So I think the balance sheets of corporate world and corporate America are in very good shape. Yet there are leverage excesses that go on, generally driven by the market. And, you know, those things tend to be net asset value, i.e. the the investors lose in the debt and it gets restructured. But the question really that we often talk about is when does that get big enough that it has an impact on the core economy? If it's just a company getting restructured, 
you know, that stuff unfortunately happens. But if it's a whole bunch of companies, you have to be careful. And that's, that's what we kind of watch is will that, will, if those companies have problems, will that aggregate, you know, amount of restructuring and retraction actually okay. hurt the core economy? And we, right now we don't think so, but we've got to watch that. All right, that's excellent. Brian Moynihan, CEO of Bank of America. I feel really terrific about what you're saying uh, because January turned out to be pretty good. I was worried about January, November, December. And, and once again, your bank, spending the technology, the other guys didn't. That's why you got the highest multiple. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Brian Moynihan. Thank you, Jim. Meantime, uh, stepping into the metaverse, Roblox, as we mentioned earlier, tumbling after that quarterly miss. We're going to talk exclusively with the CEO. Take a look at the pre-market here. Uh, the Ukraine headlines, again, the market hunting out for signs of de-escalation, although a lot of the NATO officials this morning a bit skeptical. Uh, futures are still in the red ahead of this Wednesday session. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Keep your eye on Meta this morning on the heels of the reports of that meeting with Mark Zuckerberg and employees yesterday. Are now employees known as MetaMates. Stock's going to lead the NASDAQ 100 lower at the open, down almost 4%, along with Moderna on those comments from Ben Sale that we mentioned a few moments ago. The opening bell in just about seven and a half minutes. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash. Yesterday, we uh, talked about our morning meeting at 1020 for the investing club. 
that Wynn, don't buy into the idea that Wynn, which has just moved from 80 to 95, uh, could actually surprise and do anything great. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Now, they did sell the real estate under Encore, for, and they got a very good price for $1.7 billion. But we're still in a complete wait mode for Macau. And Macau really wasn't addressed because they don't know either. Uh, I love the fact that Vegas is doing well. Dubai 2026 could do well. But, Carl, everything to me with this one determines is about the lock, determining a, what the lockdown will look like in China post-Olympics. And if you could tell me what it looked like, I'll tell you whether to buy a win at 95 or not. I'll tell you what, Macau down uh, 28. Yeah. And some of the, even though, you know, we're talking about the, the endemic phase of COVID, some of these case numbers out of Hong Kong, for example, are not encouraging. No. And I also think that they've got a second-rate vaccine in China. China won't like that. I suppose they'll probably black that out. But anybody, if you're, look, they are trying to contract to get the right vaccines. But I just think that this is a delayed story. But because they sold the 1.7 billion, they in real estate, they got the money to go through it. So that means they're fine. But if you, unless you think that COVID is going to be cured in China, you're not going to get back to that growth rate. So I have to try to figure out what to do for the investing club. Yeah. Speaking of China, um, CPI ran cool now with all the caveats about Chinese data. Uh, but nine tenths, we were looking for one prior one five. I don't know. I mean, does that it, you want to believe that maybe it's a canary in a roll, rolling over scenario? For uh, I, I agree. Look, China, like like Europe, I mean, they switched to a lot of different forms of energy. And they're all trying. They're getting very serious now. They're opening a coal plant. Like you know, they're opening so many coal plants in China. But everybody seems to want to use less energy. But they forgot that economies run on energy, except for the United States, which uses more energy. Oh my gosh! You know what? The, the Ukraine situation has really brought into sharp relief the difference between our energy costs, especially electricity. And the EU, and just the reliance on that pipe. Now, Europe's very lucky in January. Thank you, Russia, Brazil, for this. It, they did take three quarters of our LNG, but that's not sustainable because all the contracts going forward really heavily uh, skewed toward Asia, except for Poland, which really has a very good idea. Uh, look, we're in a natural resource boom in this country, and I know the Fed has to tighten, but I'm winning. Look, he's banks doing great. He recognized he has to tighten. But I think that we forget in some ways, how blessed our country is. We are not sitting here fretting about our, our warm versus cold winter. Uh, there's a good interview with Rick Perry this morning by Brian Sullivan, talking about how, don't forget, the Russian economy is the size of the Texas economy. So you have Texas, Texas economy holding complete sway over Europe because they decided to get out of anything other than uh, additional increments of wind. And we're not like that in this country. We have, we have very inexpensive energy, which makes us uh, top of the heap in terms of the world when it comes to what what things really run on. Yeah. Although we just saw uh, crude prices there uh, higher on the session as these reports of troops pulling back and ta- you know equipment being put back on rails from the border. Uh, well, uh, I mean, look, we're getting very, you know, is it a Finlandization? Is it going to be some sort of, okay, they get Ukraine, we're drawing the NATO line in the sand. Uh, or is it a hot war? And you look, the president really laid out things yesterday. Uh, he didn't, you know, hot war is on the table for NATO countries, but I didn't feel there was anything encouraging about that. And yet the market went up. So I think uh, that seemed to be odd to me. We're back in an earnings world of which there was really only one blowout earnings last night, which is Airbnb. Uh, but I just want to go back to this theme of, can you imagine that Europe's hostage to, uh, to Louisiana and Texas as well as, as Russia? Because how much can we ship in LNG? And the answer is we can't ship enough. 
Yeah, that Jurgen piece in the journal yesterday said, Very we could good. do some, we could take the edge off, but there's no way we can completely no, replace We can't that build these plants fast enough. We, one of the things that Brian, we didn't get to be with Brian Wynn is the people crisis. He has said over and over again, we don't have enough people. Believe me, they, are, they need people to build LNG facilities. If you were a young person just starting out in life, go down to Louisiana and Texas. Work for three, four years. Make all the money you need and then go to college. Kind of like it used to do with the Alaskan fisheries. Yes, yes. and also in North Dakota when they first had the boom. <laughs> There's the opening bell and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. It's New York Edge, a nonprofit helping students in underinvested communities at the NASDAQ. Inspirado, a subscription business for luxury homestays, celebrating a listing via SPAC. Well, Spe- you know, good luck because they're up against a man by the name of Cheskin. I was just going to say, um, gross nights booked up 59 at Airbnb and long-term stays um, 25% of gross bookings, it was 16% two years ago. You know, I mean, he's got this thing, uh, launched a product that is that basically is called um, Flexible, where they can actually steer people. You know, you now you said, it used to be like, I want to go here, and you go on Google. Now it's like, I've got some time, where should I go? And they've got this, this, this product that makes it so that there's a nice merger. What is the stock down? Okay, can I just say that, okay, let the stock come in if you want to, but that was the only quarter where it did not matter post-pandemic or not. This business is growing so rapidly. It's going to be interesting, too. Once, for example, kids are out of school for the summer and you have remote options, then it's it's a, no, it's a no-brainer yeah, to do I mean, a month in look, Idaho. He is talking about I mean, 800 million uh, rooms being used for some of these devices. But when he's, if you want to go back to what his real thesis is, it's mobility. It's the desire to be somewhere else other than where you are. And it's the idea, if you're not going to have to work at the central office, you're going on Airbnb to experiment in life. He has got an existentially positive story, which is, America, don't you understand? You're not individuals, like guys like us. Like He'll, he'll tell me, Jim, you have to understand. You, you sit there every day with your suit, you know, you're going, you're tethered. I mean, I do. I mean, like, I have changed We're here. Literally. Yeah. He's saying that look, people all over, all over the world, but the United States are saying, why do I have to be in my house? I want to be in someone else's house. Uh, if you miss Chesky talking toward your Bosa for Squawk Box Asia, take a listen to this. Bullish. This was the best quarter, fourth quarter in our history. And 2021 was the best year in our history and we're in the middle of a pandemic. We actually saw length of stay segments grow for two night stays, five night stays, a week stay, a month stay. All those are growing. So it's all these new use cases that are growing. We believe they're here to stay. And many of the old ways of traveling are coming back. And I think both of those things explain why these are the best results in our company's history. Uh, see, that was just a great interview. One of the things that people have to recognize, Marriott reported yesterday, and they're talking about, hey, maybe like we're almost back to where we were in 2019. I mean, he's crushing it. Like 2019. He doesn't. This is a tech company. All right. They made 150 different changes that made it so they're really the only guy in town. I know that there's that SPAC. Uh, you know, I don't like SPACs. But what I do understand is this is a, a man who out of nowhere developed a new way for people to go places. One of the things that he and I have talked about is that if you're, you know, my daughter's a school teacher. And she was looking for something to do each weekend. She's locked down in Spain. She just went to a new house every weekend. So I was telling him that. He goes, Jim, 
What do you think? Like your daughter's the only person. Every lockdown in the world, people are going from one part of Madrid to another. Come on, Jim. Your daughter's not like the first person. Right. Thank you, Brian. Um, so uh, that brings us to names like you mentioned Marriott. Hilton today, uh, again, close to an all-time high. But they do miss uh, by three cents. They Good qualitative stuff about optimistic about the acceleration of the recovery. Can legacy hotels coexist with this, this uh, giant? Absolutely they can, uh, provided that they don't overbuild. And Marriott's putting up a lot of places. Uh, what I do think is, is that they're just, uh, the thing is that one day business travel will come back. And business travel is not going to be Airbnb. Airbnb is our people who really want to explore the earth. Uh, business travel, Marriott's making a case that it will come back. I think it will come back to some degree, but I'd rather be in Airbnb's business. Right. Uh, Energy is going to lead us here at the Open, uh, in, including Devin, Jim, with a beat, uh, <laughs> expands the buyback by 60% uh, production ahead of estimates. I'll tell you what's so funny about this. Rick Moncrief runs it. He's been on uh, CNBC a bunch of times. Big position. Well, it's not as big as I'd like for him. It's never this, as big as you want it when you're still going right from a travel trust. We talked about how you had to buy this. I had it a quarter yesterday our morning meeting. They hedge so much that they left a lot of money on the table. But the hedges are coming off. They give a dollar special dividend. This is the highest dividend in the S&P, and it's only going to go higher. Rick, uh, who is a remarkable, I took a helicopter trip with him over, uh, where he explained the world to me when we were over the Bakken. He had a vision of being able to drill more and make it cost less, technology. He's producing so much oil without spending a lot of money. This stock is still in the best performer in the first quarter, doesn't matter. This variable dividend is the one he started, and, uh, and others have fired, filed uh, pioneers doing variable dividend, Conoco. But uh, this was a monster good quarter with one hand tied behind his back. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, we know what prices are doing. In fact, it was the OPEC president this morning who said supply is not enough. Uh, no. Companies have underinvested. And demand's on the rise. we got to adjust. Yeah. Look, if you the Permian last month was the highest it's ever been. There was a theory that if the Permian pumped like this, prices would go, uh, prices would go down and be self-defeating. Completely wrong. It turns out that there's just a tremendous energy demand. And uh, Mary Barra and, uh, and, and Jim Farley, he did have this great Chris Farley. I don't know if you saw his tweet yesterday. I love Chris Farley. Yeah. Uh, they are both telling you, look, the, I know you think that I used the internal combustion engine's dead. Well, uh, no, it's not. Uh, you do get more miles to the gallon, but there's just tremendous demand for energy across the board. And a lot of countries just felt, you know what, we are, we are able to manage the transition. And they've managed the transition very poorly. Let's do Shopify here, Jim. I think this is going to take you back to last Oh, no, June of 2020, let's say, here in the mid-700s. Shopify's tough because this is the one of the stories where there's still growth, but the growth is slowing. And it, they made it very clear that if, I, I happen to like these guys very much. I hope they don't take it wrong. But this was one of those calls again last night, which was, of course, growth is rate of growth is slowing. And I'm like, Really? I mean, of course, uh, I, I'm not going to pay 100. I'm not going to pay 150 times earnings for a company where I, it turns out, of course, it's slowing. And so I, I, I didn't like that. Uh, but you didn't expect revenue to grow more than 51 like it did last year. No, but I wanted to hear them say, you, you, you have the explosion in online that people are saying uh, is over. Well, that's wrong. Online's slow. With the exception for Amazon and Alphabet, online, e-commerce is slowed. And that's something that no one wanted to hear. Uh, 
e-commerce and Amazon and Alphabet have not slowed. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting and the re- reason why uh, Airbnb is doing so well is that they don't have to pay Alphabet much, Google much, because people put in the destination. So I was, uh, I, I want to say I was bummed by Shopify. And the reason why I was bummed is that I would have loved to have heard, you know, the reports of e-commerce being dead are rare, exaggerated. I didn't get that. I just didn't get that. It's here. It's just not that. You know, it's here, but you know what? Nucor, the steel business, better numbers. <laughs> steel business. Six times earnings, I'll take it. <laughs> Holy cow, talk about things that are right up our alley here. Let's take a look at, this, at shares of Roblox, uh, which are tumbling after its quarterly results missed expectations. Booking rose 20%. That's just shy of expectations. Now, we've got the conference call that has just ended, but we've got CEO Dave Bazooki here, and uh, David's been a, a frequent guest on uh, Mad Money. And David, I'm going to go right to it. I'm going to say that the that I'm going to use a Jeffrey's piece, so it's not me, so we have a kind of a not me versus you. They call this, a, is it transitory? And they're talking about the slowdown they see, or canary in the coal mine. Now, I know that you felt that there was no real slowdown, but we have to deal with this concept that, that are you a pandemic story after all, David? Are you that kind of story? Let us know. Hey, thanks for being on the show. As always, reaching out to our community. We're coming off an amazing January. We had uh, DAU growth north of 30%. Our 17 through 24 segment in January grew over 50% year on year. We have India and Japan, two of our key countries, growing over 100% as we're lapping COVID from a year ago, January, where we were all locked down. We thought it was an amazing January. All right. Uh, It is amazing January when it comes to growth, but when it comes to free cash flow, it was a step back that last quarter. I was looking for more than 150 million. You came in at 77. Why can't you make more money? Yeah, Jim, we we have so many opportunities to increase monetization on our platform. We're not really touching advertising. We're not touching 3D immersive shopping on our platform. We're being very gentle on monetization relative to quality user growth, creating a safe and civil platform, and driving our DAU numbers. So we are focused on user and engagement growth. That said, our economy is scaling very nicely with our user growth. Okay, well, let's talk about hours. A lot of people felt the hour, average hours be 11.19, comes at 10.88. I'm worried about hours. I also tell you what I'm also worried about. I'm worried that uh, when kids were home, they were playing with each other. Now they're at at school. You mentioned that the weekends are good, but the weekday's not as good. You know, David, what I felt when I listened to this was I got very enamored of Roblox. I should stay enamored. The NFL deal's terrific. Stay enamored. Banks deal's terrific. But don't get it's so enamored because the company's going to spend a lot of money, uh, kind of like Netflix did, kind of like Amazon did, for a pot of gold, hopefully at the end of the rainbow. Isn't that a, an accurate depiction? Yeah, Jim, the, the money we spend, Jim, is primarily on product and engineering. And all of the, the people on our platform that we've got during the last year, it's been very, very sticky. We're actually glad that we're getting back to normal that affects our hours relative to daus but the the people we brought uh from COVID are still with us and that number is growing very rapidly 
David, we mentioned the, uh, the deal with the NFL on Friday when we were out in L.A. for the game. Um, can you talk more about it and maybe, I don't know, does, is this a situation where it, it uh, creates a deeper experience during the season or is it a way to elongate uh, the season when there aren't actual games to play? Yeah, this, this is a new category, 3D immersive experience where people do things together. We're very early on the way uh, brands can reach people. We had 12 brand deals this year, six music concerts. We have brands like Gucci Gardens where you go to the virtual installation. We have brands like Nike and Vans where you get to wear the products and experience them. And then the NFL is just another early sign of some of the things we'd like to do in the real world, doing in the digital world. We're doing a lot of work to make these scale, to make them self-service. And over time, of course, the monetization opportunities are really large for this. But, David, let's say you're a shareholder and listen to you. Uh, my instinct would be sell because, frankly, uh, you don't care about the thing that's really working for right now, which, which is driving stocks higher, which is a profit well ahead of when people thought. So what do you say? I mean, do you say, hey, listen, don't worry about it? Or do you say, you know, come back some other time after we spend all the money and we're dominant? Yeah, I would say uh, DAU's growing all around the world, uh, cash flow growing, and um, we're making positive cash flow. So we are, we, you know, we are a positive cash flow company. It's somewhat unique, and that's growing over time. But the cash flow speed of growth is declining, David. Yeah, so I, I would say over time that cash flow will continue to grow. And, you know, think about it. We are making a, a wonderful balance here where we've shared over $500 million with our developer community. That's growing as well. So we're, we're very bullish on you know, the next two years, DAUs, ours, and our bookings. All We're very optimistic. But this is one of the situations where I'm very bullish on the company but not bullish on the stock. Because I do feel that what's happened is we discovered that you've got an absolutely great business. It's great even uh, after the pandemic. But it's not worth what it's selling for great. Because, frankly, you're trying to grow. I'm trying to get to this point. You are growing the company like mad, which is terrific. But in this particular market, it is not what people want. Now, can we just say that, you know what, who cares about the market? One day it'll get back to being rational or is the market rational? And when your stock was selling at, 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 at 141, it was irrational. Yeah, I can't comment on the rationality of the stock market. What I, what I can tell you is the, the, the consistency of our vision, which is we're building a platform that will someday have a billion monthly actives on it. And we will have people in a safe and civil way playing, learning, going to work, experiencing concerts. We're consistent with that vision and mission. All right, well, let's go over that safe and civil. You and I both know, and we've talked about this endlessly. this is the way it should be. The other guys, Twitter, Metaverse, Facebook, they believe in engagement. Engagement in many ways is a curse word. You and I know what engagement is. Engagement is battle. Engagement is foul. Engagement we have no room for. As parents, we have no room for. But might someone say, you know what? You want to make a lot of money, be an engagement, not be civil. Yeah, I think uh, Roblox is primarily an innovation company and a civility company. We, in, in effect, radically monitor, radically filter chat content on our platform because we, we're not driving this by some optimization metric. We're at our core for the last 16 years, focused on safety and civility. 
All right. So, look, I I know I've been as tough as I can on this because I pe- people are feeling down 16. I want to go into some franchises I think are great. You know, NFL Tycoon we talked about before. Uh, everybody I know is playing NFL Tycoon. Now, how many NFL Tycoons are there in the pipe, or do we have to go more enterprise in order to be able to demonstrate to people that you own both enterprise and individual and that that's something, say, that uh, a Disney has to have, a Paramount Plus has to have? It's just nobody else has it other than you. Yeah, we're what our vision has always been uh, is self-service and UGC and and what we've done for games and for play where there are millions and millions of creators on our platform making everything on our platform. That is the vision for these brand experiences. So a lot of the functionality we have in the pipeline, whether it's our talent hub that brings creators together with brands, whether it's the ability for brands to feature and and boost themselves, will more and more make this self-serve. So we don't see this as an enterprise sales thing as much as let's make it self-service. David, one word that's noticeably absent from a lot of your materials is the word metaverse. And I wonder, do you, um, I see it here once or twice, but it's not all over the place. How do you think about that word? And do you think it's an attempt by others to sort of uh, uh, take over what you've created for years? Yeah, I, I, we don't think we created this necessarily. We can go back 40 years to Snow Crash and wonderful authors and futurists. So this is a, this is a vision that we're shepherding in with safety and civility. It's a, uh, a vision that we've been building for 16 years. We've been building on a focus of civility, building on a focus of innovation, and building on a focus of everything on our platform is UGC, and we're gonna continue to drive in that direction. You know, another thing I just want to get at, there's a point on the call where you say business really picks up around December, obviously, for the holiday. What I don't want to see you guys be is just some sort of company that is just gift giving. I know the gift cards have worked, but should we just start thinking about Roblox as a great retail play on the fourth quarter? Uh, More and more, the fabric of what we do is going to integrate not just with play, but with learning our educational fund. We we have a wonderful product project with STEM robotics, for example, to teach millions of kids STEM more and more concerts. We'll be using Roblox as a place, you know, year round to reach fans. And, And ultimately, we may you know, as we experiment at Roblox, run parts of our office on Roblox. So so I think the future is this is a utility. It's used every day for a wide range of uses. Well, I want to thank very much Dave Bazooka, who's laid out a long-term vision that I think is terrific. Short-term, little pain for shareholders. I shouldn't say little pain, real pain. But, it, it, David, it's great to see you, and you are a visionary. You. Uh, we got to hope that visionaries one day be able to get paid for again, like Jeff Bezos did. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, everyone. Before we go to break this morning, time for the bond report. We did get the industrial production uh, ahead, uh, one four, Thank looking for five much. tenths, and uh, cap utilization was also ahead. With that, uh, markets down a touch, and the, uh, the curve is essentially a little bit lower here. Ten-year just holding two percent. We'll be right back. Quick reminder here, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Kramer. Sign up, find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or use the QR code on the screen. Markets take a new leg lower here at the open. Dow's down 150 and the S&P at 4440. 
Time for Jim and Stop Trading. There's not any. NVIDIA reports tonight. It's an investment club name. Um, they just put out a release. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover announces partnership with NVIDIA. Now, you can dismiss these things because people do dismiss press release all the time. But they're talking about a multi-year uh, develop and develop, deliver next-generation automated driving systems uh, plus AI-enabled services. Well, Elon Musk, that's what you're supposed to have. And I think that Jensen Wong is going to offer a level of technology for cars that Apple has to be thinking about, Ford has to be thinking about, GM, and mostly, yes, Elon Musk. And I, th- I love Musk, but I think that Musk is probably thinking, wow, that's a real interesting platform, software-defined platform yeah. for Jaguar. Uh, Ramondo's on the tape this morning saying, again, chips got to be made in this country, and it's dangerous that they're not. It sure is, and I know she's got to be thinking about Taiwan. She's been on Mad Bunny so many times. Taiwan, Taiwan. Is there? If you're not worried about Taiwan, then you have your head in your sand. I'm much more worried about Taiwan right now than Ukraine. Ukraine not, is not strategic. It's obviously uh, geopolitical. But Taiwan, you, we won't even have a good military if they take Taiwan. Yeah. Not a good military. Highly reliant. And then a lot of um, headlines lately about both Russia and China trying to build interests in Latin America, right? Well, you go Get to, them out of our sphere of it. You know, it's incredible. When you go overseas, you're always amazed. You go to the Caribbean islands, and it's like built by China. And then you go to, Min, to, to, go to Min, <laughs> Milan. It's a Belt and Road Initiative is everywhere. So people who don't understand, these countries are like what we were. China's like what we were in the 50s and 60s. They're everywhere. Jim, we'll see you soon. Yeah, powerful. Hey, look, I, they've done a lot to bring people into the middle class. But I do feel that we that Taiwan is a strategic asset, and it's not being defended the way Ukraine is. Makes no sense. Uh, geopolitics definitely having some influence on our decline oh, yeah. today. Dow's down 200. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.